Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of all terms of music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we're going to have album reviews for Silosis, Green Day, Delane and Loathe. And meanwhile, whilst all that is happening, I'm also going to be doing a video portion of the podcast. If you go over to YouTube somewhere, I don't have an official hyperlink for it yet, so... It exists. It is somewhere. You can see my face. It doesn't get much better than this, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, little a video portion to go with this for whatever reason. You can see the little cubby hole I've made for myself where I record these things. It's literally not that exciting, but some people like video podcasts. Who knows? We shall start this week for the album reviews with Silosis, the Reading-based Mellow Death Thrash Metal Titans, all the way from Reading. It's their fifth album. It is called Circle of Suffering. It's their first album with Connor Marshall on bass, he of Condra fame, and Ali Richardson of, I believe, Bleed From Within. Uh, so this is the first album as well with uh, Josh back since he put Silas on hold and went up and helped the guys over in Architects. So excuse me, after the um, sad passing of Tom Searle, feeling live and now he's a full-time member. He had a big songwriting credit for um, Holy Hell. And when I heard Silos is working to be coming back, although they released I7 in conjunction with the news that they would be back for a new album the following year, um, I7 was very much a thrashy, mellow death kind of song. Um, typically befitting what Silos is doing, what they've done in the past, but there was still a little bit in the back of my head that thought his work he's done with Architects, he might try and bring that into Silosis for you know like to expand the sound or maybe to make it a little bit more um, not acceptable. What's the right word for it? Just more, just easier on the ears. I can't think what the fucking word for it is. I never can. Um, but yeah, happy to report, none of that exists. This is still a very, very intense, very heavy thrash metal with tinges of mellow death in there as well kind of album. Um, Empty Prophets opens the album and it just explodes straight into that thrash metal motif of the album. It's full of massive big riffs, um, lots of technical licks and just, just in general, good thrash metal tings. Um, it goes into I Sever, which is of course the lead single. Very, very great song in and of itself. It's to me, it's a bit of an ode to Metallica with their very clean, dramatic intro, and then it explodes and just like kicks you in the dick. The second single, um, Calcified, probably my favourite song on the album. It's an absolute belter of a song. Um, the chorus just sounds huge. The transitional riff um, that leads from the pre-chorus into the chorus itself is just it's just fucking brilliant I love it I won't try and like sing it because we all know how badly that goes but it's just Italian hand kiss good um, I think Josh it, on Calcified is also on the rest of the album Josh's enunciation um, for his lyrics are just insane I think it was a suffocation one of the first like death core death metal kind of bands that really he opened his mouth more so that meant he could be understood more even with the screams i think josh has got that to an absolute t on this album um there's no point where although he is like 
got screams and he's got growls and he's proper in your face about things, you never once think like, I just can't hear or I just don't understand. Really nails it and above all that, he really help, um, nails it on Castlefy. It's a fucking belter of a song, like I said before. The penultimate, tra the penultimate track, Disintegrate, has such this big, imposing presence. Um, it transitions from like the big, heavy wrist of the verses into the beautiful melodies of the chorus. And to me, as good as the song is, and it's a very good song, Disintegrate, I feel like the placement in the album is just a little bit off. Um, because the end song, Abandoned, is it's the ballad, for lack of a better word, of the album. It's very sincere, it's very melancholic. Um, and yeah, it just... To go from Disintegrate with this big, imposing figure of itself, to then go into Abandoned, which is like... You're going from up, up here all the way straight back down again in terms of energy. I just feel like it could have been done with being more in the centre of the album, maybe after Calcifier, maybe after NVIDIA. The only problem is I don't know what I would have in its place because if you just put Disintegrated up a little bit further and then just shuffle everything back down again, I think you have a similar sort of problem with Devil in Their Eyes. So I think when I was looking at last night, as like a like a potential list of what they could have swapped with. I think Idle Hands or Apex of the Stain would have been better to have going from Devils in Their Eyes into Abandon. Um, it just tears the energy and the intensity of the album down a little bit better. And yeah, to me it, just, it was just slightly jarring going from such... Again, so it's high intensity of disintegrate into like the low melancholia of abandon, but that might just be me. Um, in terms of the album as a whole and what I think about it, it was good. I know there's a lot of people going bit bananas over it. I just wasn't blown away because I remember years and years ago when people were going absolutely notes for their back catalogue. So what were the two albums that really made people go? Edge of the Earth and Monolith, particularly Monolith. Um, so I remember like they were my Metal Hammer days and I remember everyone going absolute apeshit for those kind of albums. And it might just be like the constant high, um, I don't want to say high support because that makes it sound like a dick, but the high praise it um, the band gets and like the excitement that everyone had when they said that we're going to come back with a new album. I feel like what I, was, what I was expecting in my head doesn't quite match up what I got. It's an album full of moments. Like I said, the riff, well, Castlevania as a whole, as a song, is just fantastic. Disintegrate was really good. Um, I Sever was great. Um, I think it was Idle Hands. Fuck's sake, keep hitting the microphone. Um, Idle Hands I really enjoyed as well. And there's loads of like individual songs where as I'm going through them, I'm like, that's a really good riff. That's a really solid riff. That's a really good drum part. Um, Josh sounds really good here. It was just bits and pieces that would eventually make up like that part of the song was really good and then move on to the next and then that part of the song and then you get to a song like Castlefire it's like that entire piece is great um, so yeah disappointed would probably be cruel disappointed I think to the standards I held up for it but as an album of like big crushing thrash metal you can't go much wrong apart from my fucking squeaky ass chair um, if you like big rambunctious thrash metal it's, it's a bit of a dying art the um UK thrash metal. I was trying to think of it the other day because you had Silosis and you had Evile. They were like your big two. 
And then there were some more around them. And God forbid, I can't think of any of them. Even last night when, I, when I'm not having to think for a podcast. I generally could not think of any major uh, names as part of that scene. But I think, I think that goes to show. At one point, there was talk of like a resurgence for UK thrash metal. And then it just died on its ass. Like, Evil, I've realised, haven't done an album in, what was it, six years, seven years? When did Five-Headed Serpent came out in 13? Album afterwards, which I can't remember the name, must have come out in 15. So yeah, it's been five years, and they've been saying they've been working on an album for about two or three. It's a shame. It's a shame. But if you long for those days, or if you will, you still want a UK thrash metal scene to appear do things like support Silosis because they are, at the end of the day, very, very good. The new album is called Circle of Suffering. It's out now. You probably already heard it because it came out last, uh, precisely a month ago as I'm recording. Either way, it's very, very good. Move on because what's coming up next? Oh, fucking boy. It's called Father of All Motherfuckers. It's by Green Day. It's their 13th album. Unlucky for some. Oh, just wait. Uh, the Oakland, California pop-punk superheroes have done things a little bit differently. They've, they've done a Fallout Boy, basically. They've just done a Fallout Boy. I spent the best part of 10 years, probably more than that, actually, defending Green Day to various people. Um, they're not exactly a band that desperately need um, someone like myself to defend them a lot because how many artists or bands can you think of who have made a um generation divine generation defining album twice you know you got dookie from back in the 90s you had uh, american idiot in the 2000s didn't really make anything good in the 2010s but never mind um yeah, like, even people slag off um, 21st Century Breakdown, and there's such a Marmite album of comes really I thought it was, like, one of the few examples of a band or an artist um, following up a, like, career-defining album with something that, okay, wasn't quite as good because Lightning Can't... In theory, Lightning Can't Strike Twice, but at least getting something not shit to follow up by. I know a lot of people were a bit iffy with um, Unto the Locust by Machine Head, um, personally, I like that one as well. I love 21st Century Breakdown. I have no idea if that's to do with the fact of where it sits in like how I listen to it. I used to listen to it every day when I go, went to school with my parents. Um, but I'll still rep for that album today. And I'll see people who say like it's a career opus on par with American Idiot, and I'll say it's one of the worst things they've ever done in their lives, in their career, sorry. Which, even taking away everything that came afterwards, no, it fucking isn't. Um, they did the Uno Dos Tres, which was really bollocks. You can probably get a good album collectively out of those three albums, but overall, it was pretty bum. I thought I really liked Revolution Radio. I went back to it to uh, for uh, Father of All, and there's maybe like a few songs that are okay best is it but you know constantly just trying to make sure that hey everyone it's okay it's green day it'll be good it'll be good you know what it's just fucking not it's just not good um 
this album is fucking bollocks. It really is bad. It makes me so, so angry that it's even out. Oh yeah, which was the um, was the second single that came out of it. Wouldn't even make it into the Black Album by Weezer. And the Black Album by Weezer was fucking bollocks. Um, the title track lead single sounds like a shit Hives B-side from like 2005. Um, fucking I Was a Teenage Teenager needs to get in the sea and never come back. That is an absolutely operation of a song. Um, the lyrics are... I was a teenage teenager, I am an alien visitor, my life's a mess and school is just for suckers. Billy Joe Armstrong is 48 years old and he's singing School is for Suckers. What a fucking dick. Like, come on, you're, you're a father. Just, it's so bad. It's so hilariously awful that they put those words to writing and no one at any point said you know what what if we just didn't just just gonna throw it out there what if we just didn't stab you in the heart is the first rock and roll riff you learn on guitar by a band who's over 30 years into their existence 13 albums in and they're writing the very first thing you ever made on guitar it's 26 minutes long, and even that feels too long. You know, like, Take the Mud and Crawl is passable, even though it does have a shit lyric about sucking his cock. Um, Sugar Youth is okay. I still can't make up my mind on Meet Me on the Roof. Roof, with an F, not TH. It's just awful. As the fucking nothing says fuck you like a unicorn that whole ethos going into it is absolute trash um that whole thing where it's like no swedish producers no trap beats no this no that it's like no no trap um no that was it trap beats no trap beats no swedish producers but what you've done is just made the bog standard cookie cutter pop punk that five sauce wouldn't even put out because they actually might have talent more than you it's diabolical. It's so bad. Now, they've the, to desecrate the American Idiot album art by putting that like really zoomed in with a unicorn to cover up the fucker part and motherfucker because that's edgy. It's shit. It's bad. It's terrible. It's every negative adjective you could ever put to music. And it's this. I'm so mad. I'm so upset. Green Day are... Were maybe I'm not I don't know how much how angry I am at this. But Green Day at least were one of my favorite bands of all time. If it wasn't for American Idiot, I probably wouldn't be giving a shit about music. And then to have the goal to try and release something like this, I've heard a rumor that they're doing it on purpose so they can get out of the contract. But my fucking god, I if that's true, if that's true, and I don't know. There's no way of knowing. But if that's true. And I've, obviously I've got no way of knowing the ins and outs of their contract. No, no no, way of knowing the ins and outs of the average working day. But to give up all artistic and creative integrity to get out of a contract. Because apparently they need to do three more albums. 
and then they can get off their contract and get and start afresh. But does this mean we're going to have two more iterations of Father and More Motherfuckers before they can get off their record label and say, look, we're going to be Green Day again, and then make something equally trash, but this time they're trying? Ah, oh, fucking, I'm so, it's just awful. It's awful. It's very upsetting. They've done a Fallout Boy. They've done a Blink-182. The 90s are dead, man. They're just fucking dead. They're dead. They hate you. They never loved you. They're never going to change. They're just dead. So that was a new Green Day album. It's called Father of All Motherfuckers. It's their 13th album. It's out now. If you hate yourself. Let's go. Let's just... Let's be a little bit happier. Let's go to Holland, where all happy things exist. Um, we're going to be looking at the sixth album from Delane, of course, from Zvol, Holland, Netherlands. I hope I've pronounced all of that right. I don't think I have. Um, a symphonic metal quartet? Quintet. Um, yeah, that was a fucking butchering of an introduction, but yeah. Apocalypse and Chill is what's called. It's by the Dutch out Dutch band Delane. And to go on to like symphonic metal a little bit, because outside of Rhapsody of Fire, I don't think I've talked too much about symphonic metal. Um, I, I actually have a soft spot for symphonic metal. Um, excuse me. It is on par, I'd say, with my um, admiration for power metal. It's cheesy. It's easy to listen to. It could be a theatrical and daft way I just find it really entertaining it's really quite fun when they get the orchestrations right like I always feel bad for most genres when you've got like you're starting up a band you can always get a pretty good idea without sounding without sounding I should say too DIY and too bottom of the barrel if that makes sense so like a obviously for Certain genres that works well like if you're a startup up um, stoner rock band or a startup punk rock band, having that like dirty low production feel to music can work quite um quite well for like prog and post rock and things where like you really need to be careful of your production and your mixing can be a bit of a struggle to take off more. I feel because you are having to battle against just a general sound. Symphonic metal, I've always feel that's like got that issue as well, so it's very hard to find up coming symphonic metal. Um, um, bands, you've got to go right to the ones that I've already established and build it on already. Um, despite that, they're like, yeah, I will forever give it a go. It's always good, clean, easy fun. Um, I think everyone, I think everyone has had that phase at least once. Um, usually starts off by Nightwish, but I also got into Rhapsody of Fire, as I said before, Epica, uh, Within Temptation. I tried like the low end um, starter bands as well, but I could never find one that really clicked. Um, but amongst it all, for some reason, I never went to Delane. Um, it's not a slight against them. I don't think I have an offense against any of the members. I just somehow never listened to them. It was never intentional, but I figured, why not now? If not now, then when, basically. Um, and yeah, so here we are. Apocalypse and Chill. In the absolute nicest way possible, which is a great way of starting any review, apart from that Green Day one, I find Apocalypse and Chill quite American. 
with with all the bands I just mentioned, so Nightwish, Rhapsody, Epicone, Within Temptation, they always had a thing. They always had a big staple to their sound. So Nightwish was always having the classically trained vocalist, so obviously for bulk of it, it was Tarya. Then it went to Annette, and now it is... Blow Simmons, I think? I'll have to check that up later. Uh, but yeah, they always had like a big classically trained vocalist to really hit those. Um, it's not Charlotte, is it? If it's Charlotte, I'm going to look like a right dick. Nope, it's not. Cool. Moving on. Um, so yeah, they always had like a big classically trained vocalist to really um, emphasise the drama, as well as um, their keyboardist, Thomas. Um, he's just a genius when it comes to soundscaping and orchestration. With Epica... They always had those, um, they always had like a melodic death metal influence in there. It was still very much symphonic metal. You never really call it like symphonic death metal, but just like the backing vocals or like the little bits here and there of um, growled vocals just added to the sound a little bit more. Um, within Temptation, I'd always say it was like the experimental one. They experimented a lot with pop. Um, their last album, Hydra, the fucking songs they did with Howard Jones and Exhibit of all people. It's a mad, mad world as Holland apparently. Um, and for Rhapsody of Fire it was always the really technical neoclassical guitar work. So with that being said, all those bands there have always got something big or a, a big advertisement to why you should listen to them. With Delane, I find I found this a very easy and digestible version of symphonic metal. And the reason why it's quite American is you look at a lot of like the big American rock bands or metal bands, um, like your Five Finger Death Punch, your Bad Wolves, Shinedown, uh, Blackstone Cherry, In This Moment. A lot of them are a lot of people's gateway bands to like the world of heavy metal music. Delane is so much better than all of them, trust me. But the idea of this is quite... A lot of them are, well, a lot of the um, songs here, they bounce from having like the quite intense um, guitar bits to like more just streamlined rhythm based riffs with like slight orchestration on top. It's not as theatrical as other bands. I'm trying to say this without sounding like a dick. I don't think I'm doing it well at all. But yeah, it's just a lot more um, accessible style of symphonic metal in a similar vein of those um, American like wrestled metal bands that I mentioned before. Um, Delane has a lot more electro pop influences in there, and I think that helps the whole gateway ethos a lot, and the whole like simplified sound um, helps that a lot as well. We had everything, which is the second song in the album. It's a very very poppy song. Um, it's not a slate. It's actually a really really fun song to listen to. Um, Charlotte, Charlotte Russell's voice um, suits that kind of music very very well or like this whole album as a whole because she can hit those big powerful notes um without being as over the top as a lot of symphonic metal vocalists a lot of go even gothic metal vocalists tend to be um like i said she's still very much not a pushover there is on mass of the destiny she in like the what part is it the chorus of the the chorus of Master of Destiny, the crunch she puts on her voice to really like power through a note, it's hypnotizing how how 
good it sounds. Like, there are always the sounds where if you see, like, really shit um, music TV, like X Factor or some kind of idol program, and they're singing, and you know they're a great vocalist, but everyone's like, oh, you're on Simon Cow... Simon? Simon Cow doesn't like it. And then they hit that really gravelly crunch that adds a bit of balls to the sound, and that's when everyone goes, oh, my God, they're great. This is just that all the time with that extra crunch. It's do enjoy that bit on um, Masters of Destiny. It's fucking insane. To Live Us To Die is probably one of the more like devoutly sympho songs, sympho metal songs on the album. It's a freaking great song to listen to. Let's Dance is an absolute jam. It's really, really upbeat and happy and just, I won't lie, it's kind of weird me liking a song called Let's Dance, but I think my palate's been softened by that Green Day album. Um, and like I said before, there's very guitar work throughout the album. You've got like the really big riffs that show off what um, Timo Sommers can do. And then he also goes down to like a more um, basic kind of guitar work that gets carried by the orchestration of Martin Westerholt. We'll go with that. Um, the album is bookended by the two heaviest songs. So you've got One Second and Combustion. Combustion, in particular, very, very aggressive, very, very um, bounce, groove-heavy song. For me, it's a weird call. Um, in practice and saying it out loud, it sounds like um, a cool idea to have like either end of the song, either end of the album, big and intense and like in your face. Like one second is like the only song that's got um, something close to the mellow death kind of vocals that Epica do. Um, Timo, the guitarist, doing all of the um, well, co-leading the vocal work on that with Charlotte. And for me, it's a, weird, it's a weird one because it sets up... So going into one second, I thought it was going to be like... Um, like a, se a second-tier epica. And then you get the rest of the album and you realise, oh, wait, no, it is quite... It's more of um, a poppy, more, like I said, streamlined kind of deal. And then to end with Combustion, again, I'm like, have I just like misheard this entire album? Um, I'd maybe just like flick him in the mix somewhere. Um... I think when I was going through it, I would have said put combustion in between to live us to die and let's dance. I think I've slept since I've made the decision. Oh, someone's cut the grass. What the fuck that was then? Um, yeah, apart from like a weird track listing or like weird track order, I think it was actually a surprisingly fun album. Um, like I said, I've never, I haven't avoided delaying on purpose. It's just, if I was to get Dutch symphonic metal, I probably would have gone to Epico within Temptation beforehand. Now, I've got three options and I don't know what I'd go with, so that's fun. Thanks, Delane. Um, but yeah, if you've ever like wanted to get into a like a symphonic world of music that has a bit more of um, a bark to it, as opposed to like your... Just, I was going to say like your other symphonic rock bands, but I can't think of any symphonic rock you if you don't like One Republic, but you like the concept, is apparently what I'm going with, give Delaney a go. It's super poppy, it's super friendly, but that sounds like an insult, it definitely isn't. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's just so much easier and so much more... I keep wanting to say digestible, why do I want to keep saying digestible? It's music, you don't eat it. It's just, it's just 
accessible. It's more accessible. I think that's more professional word I should be using. It's more um, accessible. Um, it's called Apocalypse and Chills by Delane. And yeah, just good, good, clean fun in an otherwise haunting existence. Final album of the week then. We come back to Blighty and we go to Liverpool for the second album from Loathe. It's called I Let It In and It Took Everything. A fucking terrifyingly brilliant album title to start with. Um, let's start with the easy thing then. Everyone and their mum has compared this to Deftones. And I completely get why. As someone who's not even that familiar with Deftones, I can 100% see why that um, comparison is there. You've got musically a very bouncy, groovy, heavy kind of sound that oftentimes is complemented with Kadeem France's like unclean vocals, but wherever he wants to go all the way clean, it's just that juxtaposition that um, Chino can do where it is like big, heavy, aggressive on one side and you've just got him being quite melancholic and quite sometimes even ambient with his vocal. Um, with that said, it is not just Deftones point two. Um, there is more to this album. It's not just a one-trick um, one thing. You've got blast beats in here. You've got post-metal influences. And you've got prog. Metalcore, you've got hardcore, you've got hard rock. There is this is such an expansive collection of different rock and metal sounds that even though there's a lot of people saying it sounds very Deftones inspired, you couldn't say it sounds like Deftones outright, if that makes sense. Um, you can easily float away to songs like Is It Really You and then immediately get like ripped asunder by songs like Gord and heavy as the head that falls with the weight of a thousand thoughts man that's cool um i was super impressed by oh like actually no first the level of stomp that i've got ahead of my notes the level of stomp and some of the viciousness in the riffs of the song this is what i mean by like that comparison from sometimes it can be the most devilishly heavy thing that can happen and then it goes into something like a bit more melancholic the kind of stomp and the kind of um, riffs you get in things across the album, but the ones that really took my notice were um, faces in the new faces in the dark and broken vision rhythm, which is kind of difficult to say. Um, I was thoroughly impressed. There we go. Back to the note I got ahead of myself on with the drumming of Sean Radcliffe. I'm not quite sure if that's just because of where he sits in the mix or what, but he's commandeering a very bouncy new metal style of drumming and reworking it into this dystopian, post-metal, metalcore, hardcore, punk mess that sounds like it shouldn't be a thing. It sounds like it should not work and sounds like it should be something that's a little bit weird. But like I said, I don't know if it's because he's like quite upfront in the mix and you can hear and you can feel every... Um, it's mostly particular on his like double kick bass. It just like ricochets in your head and it's fucking lethal at times and yeah I usually ignore interlude tracks as well um, this album has got three you've got 451 days you've got a sad cartoon reprise and red room and yeah because they usually like ambient it fixes an album together kind of thing I usually just ignore them because I just no I don't see the point in them I just find it quite boring quite often um, in this though 
they didn't feel out of place. They felt very natural. They felt very much like they belonged in the album, particularly Red Room, because, excuse me, a lot of interlude tracks, and particularly like, well, 451 Days in a Sad Cartoon Reprise, both are guilty of this, but interlude tracks often tend to be just about a minute or two of just spacey sounds and ambient and that kind of thing. Whereas Red Room keeps the feel of the album where half of it is that like floaty um, ambience and then it goes to the big crushing wrist from what the album does. It's one of the few interlude tracks I can think of that still keeps the heaviness of an album and yeah, like I said, I never felt like I was listening to a separate song. It seems just it kept the flow of the album going so very well in all three songs. And this is just a bloody brilliant album. Like I said, even though I said it sounds like Deftones, it's got prog metal bits in there, it's got postmix bit in there, it's got this, it's got this, it's got this. Although you can say it sound it's got parts of another band that it sounds like, you can never say it sounds like this band that makes sense like everyone keeps saying oh there's such a, like a big Deftones influence in there I cannot think of a single Deftones song that I would listen to and think that reminds me of Loathe or that sounds like um, that song from Loathe equally as much as I think you can hear a Deftones influence if I picked out any song there's not a song by Deftones I'll say that's just like a carbon copy of that it is it's done that beautifully fine line of bringing in loads of influences and loads of what they enjoy and turning it into something that is brilliantly unique and brilliantly creative. Um, and, and it's something that's happened so rarely nowadays. And it's the kind of thing where when you have like Gene Simmons say, Rocker's dead, it's all the same. Kick him to death, first of all, and then on his desecrated corpse, leave an album of this behind because it will show like fucking it's it's just there's no stop on what music uh, musicians can do creatively it's just all down to annoyingly what people find and what people just like cast aside um the big example from last year the podcast i listened to really got into um her name is Kala. beautifully like different band that because no one really found out about it until it was too late they scrapped it and they've all moved on a lot of people seem to be getting on board with this, which you really have to see. So we hopefully won't have that same thing. And I listened to an interview with, I think it was Kadeem and Eric, who is the lead guitarist. Um, they're both creatively, creatively invested in this band. They want to do more. They want to see what else they can do. So in the future, Loathe, album, Loathe albums should still be like a, a hub of creativity and different ideas. And it's something very much to look forward to. Um, that was Loathe. I let it in and it took everything. It's a very intense, beautifully aggressive album. Um, do give it a go. They're beautifully British as well. They have they come from London. No, they don't. They come from Liverpool. I'm so, so sorry. I've just been cancelled. I'm going to leave. Um, next week, although this is even later than usual, there's not going to be a uh, show next week. I'm going on holiday. I, was, I don't know why I stuttered, but yeah, I'm going on holiday. Um, I'm going to Centre Park, so in theory, the week afterwards, there should be something there. Um, I did want to try and get a special done in the middle, but fucking setting this up today has been a nightmare and I want to die, so... Probs not, soz. 
And the week afterwards, though, you should be getting album reviews for Caspian, Athena, Giver, and Vukovi. Um, until such time, do let me know what you think on the social medias. I am at Desolation Pod pretty much everywhere you go. So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the big three. And like I said, I'm now on YouTube. I don't have an official URL yet. It'd probably be in the link tree. Just click somewhere nearby and I've got a whole list of them. Or just ask, just just, just drop me a message and say, hey, yo, where's the YouTube? I'm like, oh, shit, son, it's here. Because that's how I talk. Um, until such time, I've got the sun in my eyes. We've actually got a sunny day. It's weird, not a fan of it. Um, but I'm gonna go and close my curtains and avoid all that. So have fun. Be well, and I'll see you later.